Investigating racism in BC healthcare. At some point in time, you just go, how much more can anybody take of this? Allegations that go far beyond a guessing game. Canadian with conditions. We're always seen as the other, as foreigners in Canada. A troubling survey reveals the shadow pandemic of anti-Asian racism. Congratulations, you're going to be the uh, first vehicle. And the new rules of the road as cars return to Stanley Park. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Chris is off tonight. A big shot in the arm today for the investigation into an alleged racist game being played in BC emergency rooms involving Indigenous patients. As Sarah McDonald reports, BC's health minister is promising anyone who testifies before the probe will be protected by law. I was made aware of serious allegations. Of in the wake of damning allegations of racial profiling within BC's hospitals, which first came to light publicly last Friday. There are two reports in question. I just want to, I'll just spend a little moment because we received, I think, a number of questions. We're getting a better idea of the circumstances and the timeline surrounding accounts of healthcare workers playing racist games in emergency rooms, allegedly guessing the blood alcohol content of patients, including and especially Indigenous ones. The accusations surfacing last week during discussions on a report drawn up to detail and combat anti-Indigenous racism. The the details of that report was shared as part of um, a meeting uh, on Wednesday, uh, uh, June the 17th. So that report was shared uh, in its draft form and then it has subsequently been released. So in both cases, I haven't seen those reports. Health Minister Adrian Dix explaining Monday he was only made aware of the allegations last Thursday, which surfaced during an Indigenous cultural safety training program geared towards healthcare workers. Métis Nation BC then alerted the province. This Price is Right game is, is so offensive and, and just so uh, incredibly uh, disgusting. While this latest allegation may be shocking, it's just another example of racial profiling in BC hospitals for Indigenous patients who've lived it, like the woman you're about to hear from. Hospitalized for abdominal pain shortly after returning from an all-chiefs meeting in Ottawa, even after explicitly detailing how she'd injured herself at home, her doctor had questions. And he said to me, are you sure it's something that you hurt yourself while you were climbing over the, the um, your balcony? Or could it be as a result of um, numerous intercourse and sex partners at this chief's meeting? I was, I was livid. And so I left. And all too often, too many people do that. And then they go home and they die or they suffer in silence. Which is why Indigenous advocates want a tip line implemented for healthcare professionals. The province now committing to protecting whistleblowers as the terms of reference for an independent investigation into systemic racism, where patients should be safest, are finalized before being made public. Sarah McDonald, Global News. Now, a new survey exposes the ugly new reality for Chinese Canadians during the COVID-19 pandemic. Rampant racism that's forcing many of them to change the way they live their lives. And as Aaron MacArthur reports, it even has them worried about their children. When my eyes went there, I was just shocked. Vandalism. Or go speak Chinese with your other staff. Verbal abuse. Physical violence just some of what has confronted the Asian-Canadian community. 
Racism that has always bubbled under the surface has now sprung up full force during the pandemic. A new survey from the Angus Reid Institute vividly recounting just how widespread it is. These numbers really start to give us a, a view of the breadth and the scope of what's been happening. More than 500 Canadians with Chinese heritage answered survey questions recently. Half had been called a name or insulted since the pandemic began. 43% have been threatened or intimidated. 30% have been exposed to some form of hate speech, either on social media or through graffiti. And 61% of those surveyed said they have adjusted routines to avoid conflicts. Chinese Canadians surveyed in a new Angus... According to many who answered, media reports highlighting the racism are making the situation worse. We are trying at a grassroots level to get people to report. Um, we don't want to be easy targets. We want people to speak out. We think that it's gone on long enough. According to the Angus Reid poll, while Canadians have a reputation of being egalitarian and tolerant, there is still a lot of work to do. Most of the respondents said even though they are proud to be Canadian, most say they have been made to feel less than that. I think we have short memories. I mean, we have long histories of anti-Asian racism in BC. Um, and so the, a lot of the racism that we're seeing now, in fact, is not new. And it's actually repeating a lot of the scripts that we've seen historically. The poll for the first time quantifying racism against people of Asian descent that isn't isolated at all. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Vancouver Island has recorded its first case of COVID-19 in more than five weeks. There have been 32 new cases in B.C. since Friday afternoon. 28 of those new cases are in the Fraser Health region, but one is on Vancouver Island, marking the first new case there since May the 8th. Sadly, one more person has died from the virus in B.C. There are 14 people in hospital, six in ICU. 2,471 people who've had the virus in B.C. have recovered, which leaves 182 active cases now in our province. Dr. Bonnie Henry anticipates BC will move to phase three later this week, which includes more travel within the province. Respectful travel means maintaining our safe social interactions, planning ahead and being prepared. And if you or anybody in your family or travel group is sick, don't go. If you get sick while you're away, you need to self-isolate immediately and contact your local public health teams to get tested and get direction on how to manage it. And today was the first day of a unique summer sitting of the B.C. legislature. The usual format altered amid the COVID-19 pandemic. Keith Baldry joins us with more on how they're making this work and the conversation, Keith, about protecting residents of long-term care homes going forward. Yeah, it is a new model, Sophie. Never seen anything like this before. So most MLAs are not here. They remain back in their constituencies and are either uh, partici participating in debates through Zoom, either in their constituency offices or even at home. So only a handful of MLAs in the House today. Uh, but there was a question period and no real news uh, breaking there. But I'm going to have an, an example, an excerpt, because this is a, it marks the first time a B.C. cabinet minister fielded a question in question period by not being in the legislature, but being back in his office. In this case, it was Health Minister Adrian Dix taking a question from Green Party MLA Sonia Firstenal on that issue you mentioned, Bonnie, or Sophie, about whether or not uh, care home residents are made safer as a result of some of the moves the government's made. Here's an excerpt. How will government ensure that employees are being paid a living wage 
so that they can afford to work at only one facility? And when can we expect to see legislation that will make these changes truly permanent? Those orders are going to be in place for some time and give us the opportunity to work on the future. But I have to say that it has been the contribution of unions such as the HEU, of employers such as those represented by Denominational Health and the BC Care Providers Association, who've helped made it happen. This has been a Team BC approach and it has to continue to be a Team BC approach to ensure that workers are protected, but most importantly, those people living in long-term care are given the care that they need and that they deserve. Now back to COVID-19. Tomorrow's briefing with Dr. Bonnie Henry and Health Minister Adrian Dix will feature some new modeling that shows uh, some statistics about contact tracing that's been going on, how our behavior has changed as we've opened up uh, in phase two, and uh, some more stats on how our schools have been faring. Then on Wednesday, we expect Premier John Horgan to have his weekly, regular weekly update with the media. And I expect at that date, Sophie, where we'll be formally announced that we'll be going to phase three. Mm -hmm. A lot of people looking forward to phase three. All right. Thanks for that, Keith. The city of North Vancouver is now the first municipality in the province to allow open alcohol in designated public spaces. Alcohol consumption is permitted at select outdoor sites between 11 a.m. and 9 p.m. seven days a week. Residents who are 19 years or older may consume an alcoholic beverage in nine designated areas, including Waterfront and Mahan Parks, the Grand Boulevard and Kate's Deck. City bylaw was passed last month in response to pandemic restrictions. With the public health guidelines in place around staying close to home this year, physical distancing is still there. We have 80% of our residents uh, live in multifamily neighborhoods, as you can see, that we're surrounded by. And so really this was the opportunity to coincide with opening up of businesses to uh, give our residents, you know, extension really of our parks as, as their homes. But don't get used to it. The measure is only temporary. It ends October 15th. Now an update on a story the NewsHour brought you exclusively earlier this year. Extending your auto insurance with the click of a mouse is now one step closer to reality in B.C. After the NDP introduced legislation that helps open the door to online insurance renewals. Richard Zussman reports. It's a staple on nearly every vehicle. In An updated decal. But this sticker may be headed curbside. This bill amends the Motor Vehicle Act with respect to number plates, also known as license. The province introducing legislation Monday opening the door for decals that don't expire, meaning drivers would never need to pick up a new sticker and opens a clear lane for buying and renewing car insurance online. Extend the period of a, a decal being in place so that it's in place for longer or eliminate the decal entirely uh, that police would still, for example, be able to do their jobs. Global News reported in February the province has launched a task force to look at going online. But one of the challenges has been how will drivers get the decal? During the pandemic, drivers have been renewing through email or on the phone. And the province has just said it's okay not to have that updated sticker. We really need to get into the 21st century. Lots of other insurance companies across Canada have offered online renewals now for years. So it's kind of sad that we had to get to the point of a COVID pandemic to even be considering uh, extending this program. Last fiscal year, brokers were paid nearly half a billion dollars by ICBC to issue new license plates, new insurance packages and do renewals. But the opposition is worried that going online won't actually save money. There has to be real savings for British Columbians. It can't be just about convenience. People want to see a 5, 10, 15, 20% savings on the final bill. 
As for the brokers, even in an online system, they aren't going anywhere. If the online transaction doesn't go uh, as a British Columbian expects, that there's a physical place for them to go to resolve the issue or somebody for them to call without a massive new in investment in call centres. There's no timeline yet on when scrapping the car decals or even online renewals may happen. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. Now to a Global News exclusive. Two young men charged in an assault on a Vancouver police officer in 2018 have walked out of court this afternoon free and clear. Ramina Dea has more on the key piece of evidence that prompted the judge to dismiss all charges and his scathing words for police. And a warning, some may find the video in this story difficult to watch. This case came down to the word of the accused against the Vancouver police. In the end, it was a key piece of video evidence that resulted in all charges being dropped. It's out there that the truth's out there and that we're innocent. Yeah, I'm just happy we had the evidence necessary to prove that we were innocent. Otherwise, we would have got charges that were undeserved. What are you doing? Get off my friend! It was a routine traffic stop that erupted in violence in 2018. Two of the accused, the sons of a former Hells Angel. A brawl ensued between Brendan Robinson and Constable Graham, who said he was pulled into the SUV of the accused, resulting in serious injuries to the officer. That dude kicked him in the stomach pretty hard for no reason. He severely assaulted no, he my partner. I seen what and happened. He's, he's I seen what happened. These officers were defending themselves during a routine traffic stop, and this stop turned uh, very violent, very quick. But another video surfaced shot by Troy Robinson. Provincial Court Judge Harris ruling Brendan Robinson was defending himself. And Troy Robinson didn't do anything wrong by filming it. Harris said the testimony of both officers was unreliable. Brendan Robinson had committed no criminal offense. There was no basis to arrest him for assault. I'm satisfied that the responses were proportionate and occurred while Constable Graham was violently engaging Brendan Robinson five to ten uppercuts while his seatbelt was still on in a confined space. To just be truthful and you know you'd, you'd signed an oath to, to wear that badge and to protect the community and actually abide by that. What's particularly frightening uh, from a person that deals with these kinds of cases in court all the time is they were asking, uh, the Crown was going to be asking for a three-year incarceration sentence. Defense doesn't think an appeal is likely. Crown does have 30 days to do so. Ramina Dea, Global News. Now, we did reach out to the Vancouver police for comment on this case, but we were told they would have to look into the case and get back to us tomorrow. Vancouver's mayor is calling for an end to the controversial police practice of street checks. According to the VPD's own numbers, the force conducted almost 100,000 street checks between 2008 and 2017. The numbers also show that Indigenous and Black people were significantly overrepresented. In January, the police board approved changes to how street checks are conducted. Since then, there has been a 91% decrease in the practice. Today, Mayor Kennedy Stewart announced he will be presenting a motion to City Council calling it a priority to end the practice. If approved, it will go to the police board for its approval and adoption. Two of BC Ferry's new hybrid electric vessels are now in service. The Island Discovery and the Island Aurora 
are the first of six hybrid ships in the Ferry Corporation's long-term plan to convert its entire fleet to electricity. But ferry workers warn these new vessels come with a serious safety concern, and they're suing their bosses over it. That's in just over a minute. I stand with Bubba. NASCAR's incredible show of support for its only black driver. Still to come on the news hour. And merchandising Bonnie Henry, how BC's top dock is becoming a collector's item. That's later. Right now, though, BC Ferry's new island-class hybrid electric vessels have been touted as a major part of the fleet's future. But ferry workers are flagging some serious concerns. The issue is not with the vessels themselves, but with the size of the crew on board. And as Brad McLeod reports, they're suing. The two new hybrid electric ferries just set sail, touted as the clean future for BC Ferries. But the Ferry Workers Union says the vessel's smaller five-person crews are a risk. The vessel is sailing around in an unsafe condition in the event of an emergency. For the crew to be able to perform safe operations, they would need a crew of at least seven. There's times when they have over 100 children on board. The mayor of Alert Bay says if a fire breaks out, the crew must dangerously multitask. Simultaneously fight a fire and prepare the passengers to disembark the vessel. Texada Island's Chamber of Commerce says the job cuts, while seemingly small, have a huge impact on these tiny communities. Estimates of at least $300,000 worth of salaries that could be lost. It's an issue which will multiply. The new island discovery serves Powell River, Texada Island, the island Aurora between Port McNeil, Alert Bay and Sointula. But by the end of 2022, four more will go into service. In a statement, BC Ferry says these ships are more efficient than the older vessels they are replacing, so they require fewer crew. The crew sizes on the new ships are also consistent with or larger than similar vessels in top maritime jurisdictions globally. Some community leaders say they were sold on staffing of six or seven people per vessel not five. So the union is suing the federal government. Uh, ideally, what we're hoping is that a federal court judge uh, in hearing this application will find that Transport Canada acted unreasonably. BC Ferry's own fleet operations manual indicates that they can't even operate safely with a crew of five. And somehow Transport Canada signed off on this is okay. While the union aren't expecting any legal resolution soon due to COVID backlog in the courts, they're hoping Transport Canada We'll reach out first. Brad McLeod, Global News. Well, BC Ferries is adding more sailings back to its schedule as ferry usage continues to pick up. The ferry service is adding the sailings to the busiest routes to Watson to Swartz Bay, Horseshoe Bay to Nanaimo, and Horseshoe Bay to Langdale. While more people are making the crossing, Ferry says traffic is still down at about 50% of normal and is not expected to return to pre-pandemic levels for two to three years. For the time being, passengers can expect limited onboard services and are being asked to stay in their vehicles during sailings and wear a face mask if they're not going to be able to maintain physical distancing. A tragic end to a Father's Day outing in the Okanagan. A family from the Lower Mainland was enjoying the waterfall in Mill Creek Regional Park when in Kelowna when one of the kids slipped into the water. Her father jumped in to help, and while she was able to get back to shore... He lost his life. Claudia Van Emmerich reports. 
It is known for its picturesque waterfall, Mill Creek Regional Park, just east of the Kelowna Airport. But it's here where a Father's Day outing turned tragic for a Lower Mainland family. I was sad, you know, Father's Day, people are out there enjoying family times and something tragic like that happens. It's, it's very unfortunate. Keith Tillotson lives along the trail that leads to the waterfall and saw first responders, including members of the nearby Ellison Fire Department, rushing to the scene to help a man who had fallen into the creek while trying to rescue his daughter. From our understanding, they were crossing the creek as a family together. Uh, the father and his children, and other than that, we know that the eldest daughter went in the water and he went after her. The girl made it back to shore, but her father did not. Global News has since learned the man who died was 46-year-old Kashif Sheikh, a father of four and Surrey realtor. Friends and colleagues say the child Sheikh was trying to rescue was his eldest daughter, who's 13. I'm still in shock. I have no words to, you know, say how, how good person, you know, he was such a good soul. Friends say the man, his wife and four children had traveled to the Okanagan as COVID-related restrictions start easing up. Everyone involved in Sunday's incident said to be very shaken up. We did see people walking out with uh, a firefighter and they looked like they were distraught, So, but I didn't know whether that was family members or they just had been people who were up there had tried to help. Witnessing a parent who paid the ultimate price following his instinct trying to protect a child. Claudia Van Emmer, Global News, near Kelowna. Up next, back to the grind. It's, it's a love-hate relationship, right? So it was nice to get back out there. Nature's Stairmaster reopens under strict COVID restrictions. Plus, navigating the new normal as cars make a comeback in Stanley Park. Clearing stages of a crash here in Surrey on 64th Avenue at 132nd Street. Emergency crews are on scene. Sussex Insurance are your auto plan experts for insurance renewals, changes, or other ICBC transactions all from home. Just visit sussexinsurance.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, hive of a crash in Surrey. After more than two months of bikes only through Stanley Park, cyclists and cars now have to share the road. Vehicles were allowed back in this afternoon with modified access, keeping cars to the left and cyclists to the right. But as Ted Chernecki reports, not everyone is happy with the compromise. As expected, Stanley Park is open again to private vehicles, but limited to one lane. There's a line of orange cones dividing Stanley Park Drive. Vehicles to the left, bikes to the right. The city insisting this is temporary. We don't know where this pandemic is going. We're seeing um, a second wave being discussed, and it's, it's happening in, in other countries. So literally, we'll be monitoring how we need to adapt this response from week to week. But the plan is that this is just a temporary measure for the summer of 2020. I'm concerned that this could become permanent and I think we need to make sure we consult with everybody before we make a change to a jewel like Stanley Park. The planning director says all stakeholders were consulted. The director of planning said in a public meeting a week or so ago that they've been talking to all stakeholders. Well, I definitely was not one of those. The park is all but inaccessible for North Shore motorists. The only way into and out is via Georgia Street. Perhaps a hint of what's to come as we conducted an interview at the Tea House this afternoon about the loss of 50% of their parking. Where would a delivery truck like this park? So typically, if you can see here, the whole front of our parking lot is actually converted into a bike lane. 
Um, so if there was a truck that was going to drop anything off at the front, that would still leave a way for everyone to get through. The city's director of planning says this is all about trying to find a balance between public safety and business. He doesn't expect anyone but cyclists to be happy, and even they are still banned from the seawall. There is a petition circulating calling for a return to the way it was pre-pandemic. It appears to be in easy striking distance of its targeted 25,000 signatures. Ted Chernacki, Global News. Well, after being shut down for more than three months, the Vancouver Aquarium will reopen on Friday. Tickets for the popular Stanley Park attraction will be available online with designated entry times. It will be a one-way flow inside the aquarium with visitors required to wear face masks and limit their stay to 90 minutes. The aquarium says it's facing bankruptcy due to the lengthy closure, but this opening will allow them to operate at 20 to 30 percent of normal capacity. One of Metro Vancouver's top tourist attractions and outdoor workout spots has now reopened. But if you're planning to head up to Grouse Mountain or hike the grind, there are a new set of rules and procedures that you need to know about. Grace Key reports. Hikers hit the trails for opening day on the Grouse Grind. But to get a ride down on the Sky Ride, you'll have to make a reservation. For now, visiting the resort is limited to annual pass holders and hikers heading back down. With our Sky Ride, advanced reservations are required. So we have an online reservation system that you would select your boarding time in advance. And that's really going to help us manage our capacity and reduce lineups and wait times at the mountain. Guests will be required to wear a mask on the gondola. Capacity will be reduced by 70% for social distancing. Temperature screening will be in place and there'll be increased cleaning. Good Good job. Once on top of the mountain, expect new traffic flow patterns, some widened trails and more outdoor seating. Inside the chalet, there'll be limited capacity, contactless dine-in service, new online ordering, takeout and payment options. Definitely we're going to see uh, a change in our business this summer. We do usually welcome lots of uh, visitors from outside of Vancouver. We're hopeful that, you know, people within BC, once we're allowed to travel within the province. Uh, we're welcoming guests to come to Gross Mountain. If you don't want to take the gondola down, you can take the BCMC route. Regional park staff will also be patrolling the grind to remind hikers they're not allowed to go down the Grouse grind. There's nobody coming down. Everybody was um, very respectful of each other. Um, if you could hear somebody coming up behind you, they'd move to the side. This is a phased-in approach. By the end of the month, general admission is expected to be back open at Grouse Mountain. Grace Key, Global News. Up next, an alarming surge in America's COVID cases. It's very overwhelming. Where the numbers are spiking and the shift in who's getting sick. And later, a new mystery unearthed at Stonehenge. Give a shout out, tag posts with hashtag BC Healthcare Heroes or email bchealthcareheroes at globalnews.ca to share with Global News in partnership with Fortis BC, ensuring your community has the energy it needs 24-7. Traffic is in good shape over here in both directions at the Alex Fraser Bridge, but do keep in mind lane closures for overnight maintenance between 10 p.m. and 5 a.m. Sussex Insurance are your auto plan experts. For insurance renewals, changes, or other ICBC transactions all from home, just visit sussexinsurance.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Alex Fraser Bridge. 
COVID-19 situation in the U.S. continues to be bleak, with no fewer than 23 states now reporting increases in cases. And even more troubling, young people are increasingly the ones ending up in hospital. Today, Florida broke an unwanted record, now with more than 100,000 cases of coronavirus. Doctors say in a state without uniform rules, including to wear masks, this was inevitable. But there's been a shift in who's getting sick. The average age now, 37 years old. We're seeing a, a major shift in this direction with this large 20 to 30 uh, year old population, uh, mostly asymptomatic. Absent state rules, some Florida cities like Miami and Tampa now mandating masks. Here in Immokalee, Florida, a farming community, one in 25 people recently tested positive for coronavirus, mostly migrant farm workers who are now headed north following the harvests. North Carolina on edge tonight with a steady rise in cases, 870 now hospitalized. Our numbers of hospitalized patients requiring oxygen as well as those who are requiring life support is rising. It's very overwhelming. Nationwide, 23 states, nearly half the country, are seeing an increase in cases over the last two weeks. Eight of those states seeing a spike of 100% or more new cases. In Georgia, the largest group testing positive, now between the age of 18 and 29. We're now beginning to see more of a younger population. And what that causes as a nation, as you can see, is our cases are going up, but our deaths are going down. While in Texas, new mandates after a surge in hospitalizations over the weekend. With rising cases in hospitals in Arizona, nurses from Colorado now heading there to help. They traveled from Phoenix to Colorado to help us. And so when the need arose, it just it was kind of a no brainer. A public health balancing act where finding footing remains an indelicate science. Kerry Sanders, NBC News. Once the epicenter of coronavirus cases in the U.S., New York City is reopening its outdoor dining, retail stores, playgrounds, and hair salons. The doors are locked from the outside. But as with every city going into phase two, it's not business as usual. This salon installing barriers, checking customers' temperatures, and requiring them to sign a waiver. Outdoor patios are also open and possibly expanding. The city says more than 3,100 restaurants have applied for sidewalk and curb space. 300,000 people are expected to return to work as office-based jobs reopen. Carnival Cruise Line has extended its operational pause once again. Carnival now says it won't sail until October at the earliest, citing guidance from public health and government officials. All scheduled cruises up to September 30th have been cancelled. The company had already extended its original 30-day suspension three times. Guests who want to rebook are being offered Carnival vouchers worth up to $600 that can be redeemed on board ships. The makers of remdesivir are set to begin human trials for an inhaled version of the drug with hopes it could reduce hospitalizations from COVID-19. The antiviral medication, which is administered intravenously, was given the green light by the FDA as an emergency coronavirus treatment in hospitalized patients last month. The inhaled version would allow people to use a nebulizer to take the drug at earlier stages of the disease and could help keep many patients out of hospital. Seven months since COVID-19 emerged and there are still no approved treatments. Nearly nine million people worldwide have been infected by the virus and close to half a million have died. 
Still to come, inspired by Bonnie Henry. This one called the Bonnie Bee has little gemstone eyes. The cottage industry dedicated to BC's top doctor. And later, tears at Talladega, a powerful moment in NASCAR history. Believe BC, featured on Global News Hour at 6 and 980 CKNW, celebrates the innovative minds working together to reignite business throughout our province. Believe BC, presented in partnership with BCLC. With every play, you're making BC even better. Source of fascination, and now archaeologists have made another mysterious discovery near Stonehenge. We'll show you what they found right after Christie's forecast. All right, let's check in with meteorologist Christy Gordon on the North Shore. Uh, now that we are into our first week of summer, Christy. Mm-hmm. Now it's actually going to feel like summer, believe it or not. Now we do have a little bit of a rain uh, in the forecast for our Wednesday morning, but overall this week is looking pretty nice. Thankfully, after what was a really soggy weekend, I had a few reports of people's camp tr camping trips getting uh, rained out. So sorry if that was one of you. Uh, here's a look at the conditions in terms of the Humidex. It has been really muggy over the last few days, so I thought I would give you an example of what we're looking at right now in Vancouver, 22 degrees, but with the humidity it feels closer to 25 uh, so really humid over the last few days we even saw that with the rainfall through the weekend so here's how much rainfall we can expect uh, we are expecting a band to shift slowly south tomorrow still dry for our region it's not until tomorrow night into Wednesday morning that Metro Vancouver southern parts of Vancouver Island have a chance of seeing that rainfall the bulk of the rainfall will be the Sunshine Coast Whistler area up into the Caribou region as well a uh, northern part of Vancouver Island will also also see that again that's tomorrow but for Metro Vancouver Victoria it does slide south in our, into our region Wednesday morning here's a look at your Tuesday everyone so still a chance of rain in through that central interior caribou region risk of thunderstorms down into the Thompson area and then sh shifting into Powell River Campbell River and those areas but a mix of sun and cloud really nice day for us chance of showers in the morning Wednesday but we should be back to sunshine by the afternoon and looks like Thursday Friday is also looking great but both Believe it or not, we have rain in the forecast again for next weekend. Uh, here's a look at your central windows weather window from Sylvester Law. Thank you so much. And yes, mothers never rest, do they? Watching over what looks to be maybe teenagers by this point, Sophie. <laughs> so yeah, I can't believe we're talking about rainfall again for next weekend. So well, unbelievable. That'll be seven weekends in a row. It is the West Coast, so we're kind of used to it, aren't we? <laughs> Thanks, Christy. A new discovery near the ancient monument of Stonehenge. Stonehenge is, of course, one of the most famous landmarks in the world and draws thousands of people to see it every year. Archaeologists have discovered 20 pits that altogether form a wide circle around a site near Stonehenge called Durrington Walls. It's believed they're from the same period, 4,500 years ago. The discovery, which was made with remote sensing technology, opens up new lines of investigation into the origins and meaning of the prehistoric monument, which to this day remains a mystery. I always wonder about the people who built Stonehenge talking. Do you think anybody's going to know about this place 100 years from now? Ah, probably not. They did it. Like <laughs> and we still do. We still talk about it. It was like a giant domino game. <laughs> Something like that. Quite a day for That's NASA. That's what I thought, too. <laughs> 
Quite a day for NASCAR, Squire. It was. Um, a day after being the victim of racism, NASCAR driver Bubba Wallace had all of his fellow drivers and all the crew members of NASCAR show him their support. The pre-race deal was probably one of the hardest things I've ever had to witness in my life. Before the start of the race, everyone symbolically pushed Wallace's car to the front in pit row. That's just ahead and later buying Bonnie Henry. From tea towels to jewelry, paying tribute to BC's top doctor. All right, time to check in with Squire now. And uh, tough, uh, it's been a tough year for the Canucks, Squire. Yes, as uh, far as fathers go of players. And really sad news from the Canucks today that Troy Stetcher's dad died on the weekend. His uh, father, Peter, was a long-time Canucks season ticket holder through his company. He did a lot for hockey in Richmond. He and Troy were extremely close. Our condolences obviously go out to the Stetcher family. He's the third Canuck to lose a father this season. Zach McEwen lost his father and so did Jacob Markstrom earlier in the year. Well, despite 11 players testing positive for COVID-19 last week, the NHL still wants to get training camps started on July 10th. And that would mean they have to name those two hub cities soon, could be as soon as this week. Now, there has been a lot of talk about Vancouver's chances, and it looks like Vancouver is still very much in the running. There is talk that the players favor Vancouver because of how well we have flattened the curve. But remember, the hub cities would have to be agreed upon by both the NHL and the Players Union. So just having the players like Vancouver is not enough. Of course, we've heard Las Vegas is one for sure because of all the giant hotels in that city. But Vancouver apparently has an excellent chance right now. Yesterday, NASCAR officials discovered a noose hanging in the garage of African-American driver Bubba Wallace. The FBI is now investigating this. NASCAR says only a small number of people would have had access to that garage. Today, before the rain-delayed Darlington 400, all the drivers and crews make that showed their solidarity with Wallace. As we showed you earlier, everyone pushing Bubba Wallace's car to the front in pit row. Drivers, crew members from all the teams before the race. During the race, lap 127, Chase Elliott hits the wall. His afternoon of chasing is over. Bubba Wallace was running third at one point in this race. In fact, it was with five laps to go. He's number 43, but his car ran out of gas. He ended up finishing 14th. Ryan Blaney takes the lead off a friendly push, and then watch the finish here. It's chaotic. Blaney trying to hold the lead, trying to hold everyone else off. And there are crashes and spins right at the finish line. So we go to the photo finish like in horse racing, as you can see, that's how close it was. Blaney holds on. And Eric Amarola slides in for third. Now Bubba Wallace, as you saw, was running third in his car when it ran out of gas. He ended up 14th, as we said. But after the race, he went to a small number of fans. They allowed some fans at today's event, not very many though. He thanked them for their support and then spoke to Fox broadcast about what happened yesterday and the support from his fellow drivers today. The sport is changing. Um, the deal that happened yesterday, sorry I'm not wearing my mask, but I wanted to show whoever it was that you're not going to take away my smile. 
and uh, I'm going to keep on going. All in all, we won today. The, the pre-race deal... The pre-race deal was probably one of the hardest things I've ever had to witness in my life. From uh, all the supporters, from drivers, from crew members, uh, everybody here, uh, the badass fan base, thank you guys for coming out here. This is uh, truly incredible, and I'm proud to be a part of this sport. Premiership, Burnley, Manchester City. This was not much of a contest. Phil Foden in the 22nd minute, that's in. He had two goals on the day. Riyad Mahrez with the moves and the goal. Magical. And then one more for Foden as the final in this game was 5-0 for Man City over Burnley. Last goal coming up. Foden again, look at the nice passing here. One, two, three, four, back of the net. Man City wins. And there you go. Why, thank you, Squire. You're welcome. Let's check in with Ann Drew and now for a look ahead to Global News at 11. Ann? Thanks, Sophie. We will have more tonight on Vancouver Mayor Kennedy Stewart's call for a complete end to all police street checks in Vancouver. And the Vancouver School Board is debating a motion tonight on the role of police in public schools. Earlier, the Elementary School Teachers Association had recommended that VPD and RCMP officers no longer be allowed to attend school events. The recommendation was in solidarity with Black and Indigenous communities. We'll have those stories and more when you join us tonight at 11 o'clock. Sophie. All right. Thanks, Anne. Well, she got British Columbians to buy into her pandemic plan, and now they're buying up anything related to Dr. Bonnie Henry. That's next. It is time to recognize one of our hardworking BC healthcare heroes on the front lines of the COVID-19 pandemic. And tonight's nomination comes from proud father Joel Anderson, who's nominated his daughter. Lara Anderson works as a medical laboratory technologist at Comox Valley Hospital. She does the tests that let doctors and nurses diagnose and track patients and provides desperately desired information to family members of patients. But the COVID-19 pandemic has made her job more difficult. Lara has hearing loss and she relies on reading lips. Now, since most of her colleagues are now wearing masks for safety, it's been hard for her to communicate. So her co-workers have been very understanding and they've been keeping their distance and pulling their masks down so that she can read their lips. Lara is the first in her family to pursue a career in the healthcare field and her whole family is very proud of her. Well done, Lara, and thank you for all you've done. If you have a healthcare hero you'd like to see recognized, send us an email, bchealthcareheroes at globalnews.ca. Include a few pictures and some information about why they are your hero and we might be featuring them next. Now to another healthcare hero in BC, and she has helped calm us through COVID-19 with her catchphrases and her cool demeanor. Dr. Bonnie Henry has her own Twitter fan club, a mural, and more than one tribute song. And now as Catherine Urquhart reports, an entire cottage industry is celebrating our popular provincial health officer. Customers just can't get enough of anything Dr. Bonnie Henry, like tea towels. She's done a beautiful job. She's calm, she's kind. What can I say? She's very intelligent. Printed with Henry's saying, be kind, be calm, be safe, the towels and plaques are top sellers. Hundreds have been snapped up in recent weeks, with partial proceeds going to various charities. We've been going through um, 
hundreds of the plaques and the towels. First, there was the Dr. Henry shoe, supporting Food Banks BC, which quickly sold out. There was the t-shirt that raised more than $20,000 for the Vancouver Island Soup Kitchen and the Bonnie B necklace. I thought, wouldn't it be great to create something um, inspired by Dr. Henry? Jeweler Melissa Caron has sold about 50 of them in silver and gold, with proceeds going to the Wish Drop-In Centre. Dr. Henry, a longtime client, gave her blessing. I presented it to her with donating proceeds, and I asked her what she thought about Wish Drop-In Centre, and she was very excited about that. She said she'd love to be part of the project. For Dr. Henry, who is rather reserved and modest, her popularity is clearly unsettling. It's kind of a little disconcerting. Um, I am pleased that that, um, the money is going to something that is important. There is little doubt how much people love her. I think she's become a hero for many people. Our admiration of BC's top doctor, leaving many of us wanting just a little something, Dr. Bonnie Henry. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. They're collector's items. They could very well be. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. So yesterday, four hours at a golf course, I leave my door wide open. Then today, I call the Geico 500 the Darlington 400. Are you okay? I think someone's spiking my tea. Uh, Okay, I admit it. It was me. All right. Well, thank you for correcting yourself, Squire. You're welcome. Did anything get stolen from your car? (laughs) No. Well, it just shows you what I have in my car. (laughs) Nothing. Very, very (laughs) honest people at Northview Golf Course. No one went into it. All right. uh, Let's give Christy the final word on the weather. So a lot of cloud cover tomorrow, but the rainfall really should remain north of us. But by Wednesday, overnight tomorrow night, Wednesday morning, we do have a slight chance of showers. Won't last long, though. All right. That's all the time we have tonight. Thanks for joining us. Have a good night, all.